Tech Talk. Tech Talk with Jess Kelly. Thanks to Think. From digital signage to audiovisual solutions, we've thought of everything. Visit thinkpm.ie. This is News Talk. Welcome to Tech Talk. Jess Kelly with you here on News Talk. Coming up this week, Kira O'Brien from the Irish Times will give an explainer on what's happening with the chip shortage around the world. Carl Henry is my guest this week for My Life in Tech. Plus, we'll hear about the coming together of three brilliant organisations to try and close the digital skills gap amongst our young people. As always, you can email the show techtalk at newstalk.com or you'll find me on Twitter at JessKellyN. Tea. Now we are going to talk about a story that we've referred to quite a bit on the show over the last number of months um, and that is the global chip shortage. This is something that uh, has impacted sales of uh, and production of mobile phones, game consoles, laptops, pretty much everything and anything you can imagine. And it looks like it's going to hang around for a while longer. Uh, Kira O'Brien is a business and tech reporter with the Irish Times and she joins me now. Kira, it's great to have you back on the show. Can you just explain this chip shortage? How has it come about? Well, they've been warning about it for a while. Uh, a few different industries have warned that they are going to that, that they're running low on these chips. And the reason why, I mean, there's a combination of reasons. First of all, there's the pandemic shutdowns. Obviously, last year factories shut down, so chips couldn't be produced. There's also increased demand off the back of the pandemic because everything shut down and we all became heavily dependent on electronic devices. So, of course, the demand for things like tablets and smartphones and even headphones, like everything that pretty much anything you plug in has a chip in it. I think people, we we get very hung up on the whole, you know, the, the Intel Pentium chips as they used to be and you know Core i5 chips and we talk about Apple's you know the A12 chips and all that stuff we forget that there's chips that are supporting functions as well you know so it's not all about like the the, the big name brands like the, the AMD's latest chip that that basically is the brains of everything there is chips that have you know that will do audio decoding that will um that will help power the display so all of this all of these functions that we kind of we take for granted at this point you know they all require chips to function so as i said you know the the pandemic happened everything shut down factories couldn't function um people were looking for more and more devices we're in an increasingly digitized society as it is the pandemic has just supercharged that Uh, people are working from home people are buying new laptops people are looking for devices for homeschooling and all of this creates kind of this perfect storm um and then you add into the mix that for, for some companies it's the increasing tensions with china and the us that is also causing a problem so it, it's basically it's not helping i mean everything is just coming together at the moment to basically just to, to undermine the whole industry and undermine the supply and i mean we saw in the last few months you know um the car makers like i think two of them in particular I think the ford and general motors had to shut down production of certain uh, vehicles or warned that they would have to shut down production of certain vehicles because they couldn't get the chips to power them because again as people seem uh, often forget now your your car is basically mini computer these days they also need chips to run and up until now i suppose smartphones uh, which most people would be familiar when it comes to chips smartphones have been mostly shielded from this because the likes of, of Apple and Samsung, they plan ahead. They plan very far ahead. They buy huge numbers of chips. So not only are they thinking far ahead, they're also a major customer. So they're going to get looked after. Um, and they're looking for they have the latest and greatest chips, whereas they say like the car industry, they might be using slightly older chips. Um, and as I said, large manufacturers, they're smart. They, they stockpile. They saw coming a while back and they kind of put in... in uh, measures to make sure that they weren't going to be hit too hard by it but now obviously eventually it was going to happen and we've seen now in the last uh, couple of days uh, apple warning that you know there there is going to be a knock-on effect for this and obviously we're coming up now we're coming up to september september is usually the time when apple announces its new phones and then in the run-up to christmas that's when they expect to sell the most of them so you, you're going to see uh probably an, an impact on things like ipads um 
before you'd see something happening with iPhones because maybe they might give a priority. There's a, there's a huge amount of revenue generated, not only from the iPhones themselves, but from the different uh, the different industry, different parts of the business that they actually support. So you buy an iPhone, chances are you have an Apple Music subscription. You might have an Apple TV subscription. You might buy AirPods. Mm-hmm. So this, you know, it's basically the hub of all these different parts of the business. But it's inevitable. I mean, we're looking at now, I think Intel's uh, main guy was talking about um, two years before we see a way out of this. Now, we could be hitting, I suppose, the worst part now, it could be kind of bottoming out now. Uh, so we're looking at maybe the second half of the year that that the worst of this shortage will hit. But it will take a time to, to get out of that. And that's mainly because, look, you can't just magic up chips if they're, you, know, you can't ramp up. Uh, production mm-hmm. if the facilities aren't there you have to build new factories you are ha- are kit out existing factories to make the chips that you need most of all that takes time yeah and i think one thing that i've been thinking about and wondering on this is we all know how supply and demand works we all know that when there's high demand for something that's in short supply prices can be racked up do we anticipate anything like that happening as a result of this or are the tech companies too wise to that now they kind of see the consumers aren't really wild as about spending 1400 euro on a smartphone yeah i think look i mean any particularly now i think consumers are, are price sensitive um we kind of expect to pay a certain price for smartphones for i think for a lot of people in ireland in particular you might see uh, you might not see as much of an impact because people tend to get those phones as part of their plans so you know the the cost is spread out over um, the cost is spread out over like a year or two years. You don't really much and all to my discuss. I keep telling people, you know, you are actually paying for the phone. The phone is not discounted and the phone is not free. You are always paying for the phone. It's just built into the price of your plan. Uh, you don't really see an awful lot of people walking in and dropping 1200 euro on an iPhone or on a, a, a Samsung Galaxy Note. Um, I'm not sure if it will lead to, to, to higher prices. Um, I mean, that's kind of something that'll be a wait and see thing. But mm. you might see, like, I, I think it's Huawei in uh, the recent days basically put out their P50 phones. And, you know, they've they've had uh, 5G phones before, but these ones came out with just 4G. And part of that is because the tensions between Huawei and China and the US. Um, and part of it is the chip shortage. So, you know, you're going to see things like that, you know, where people are just, they, people just can't, um, and companies just can't have those extra functions. I mean, I, I don't really know if having a 5G phone is that important to people at the moment, but if you're spending, I mean, it, if you're coming down to the, getting something like an iPhone and you're spending a thousand euro on a phone, you're going to want it to last for a couple of years. And that means 5G. So I think maybe, rather than looking at prices, it's going to be functions for people that's going to be the killer thing. You mentioned there about towards the end of the year, obviously coming up to Christmas, there's huge demand. We had a ridiculous demand for the PS5 and the new Xbox last Christmas. We know that they are being, like the production of those are still being impacted. So this chip shortage is really happening. It's a perfect storm, isn't it really? Like everything is all coming together at once. And we could see a true scramble for devices coming up to Christmas. We could. I mean, look, don't get me wrong. Sony has sold millions and millions of, of, of PlayStation 5s, but they've said themselves it'll, it's going to be a while before the PS5 shortages are over. Um, you, you, you could be looking at 2023 before you start to see a return to normality. I mean, look, we're we're well aware that PlayStation 5s and, and new consoles, it's, it's a, it is a supply and demand thing. People want new consoles. Um, you have this chip shortage coupled with that because in the past, obviously, uh, Sony could just have ramped up production. We had the complicating factors this time around of COVID and now the chip shortage that comes along with that. I mean, I know we blame everything on COVID and every everyone is sick to the back teeth of talking about why we can't have nice things because of COVID. But I do think that, I mean, this is just the reality of it. Um, we're going to be probably scrambling again around Christmas for if you haven't got a PlayStation 5 or an Xbox Series X or Series S, you, you we're still going to be scrambling. And it's not just going to impact them. I'd said, you know, you look at your headphones now, your headphones have high-end processors in them for decoding audio, uh, for noise cancellation, all that kind of stuff. All of this depends on people being able to produce 
those chips. And then, you know, on top of all the COVID stuff, you have the fact that we are dependent on a small number of producers to give us these chips. So something um, happens like there's adverse weather that causes a power outage as, as happened to one manufacturer. That means like for a month they, they can't produce chips and that puts them further behind. So, you know, whereas that probably wouldn't be a big deal in normal times in pandemic times and in the, the, the current situation where we're already running with a shortage, any little delay just pushes it further and further back. And it's just, it's it seems to be a never ending nightmare for, for companies in this sector. But it's going to be smaller manufacturers in particular that will bear the brunt mm. of the shortage. That's what analysts are, are thinking that they will they will kind of take the, the pain on it because, you know, if you are a company that's supplying someone like Samsung, you're supplying Apple, um, you're not going to want to jeopardize your relationships there because that's a huge part of your business. So it's going to be the smaller companies that will will feel the pain on this one. Is there go like is there such thing as a silver bullet that could come out of nowhere and, and fix this problem and reduce that time of, you know, 2022 or 2023 before things are back to normal? Do we do we envisage it, it does such a thing exist? Um I don't think so. Uh well, unless they uh unless they they they, they decide to start I they start uh, plowing resources into making chips and that could be, I mean, look what's happened with, uh, say, come back to the pandemic. If you look at what's happened with vaccines, I mean, there was a concerted effort to overcome that. And even at that, we still have shortages. Uh, I think with something like, like chip manufacturing, you know, it's not, not like you can just, anybody can do it. You know, there's, there's, there's quality tests that have to be done. You know, it's such a a, a process. Uh, I think huge investment would help, um, but I think we're playing a long game on this one in that while we could get a short term solution to this in the long term, we need to look at, I suppose, diversifying the number of suppliers that they have, have different suppliers, um, have more suppliers of things. And maybe that's where, where companies will look. But right now, I think, you know, we're, we just we are where we are. We are where we are. Kira O'Brien from the Irish Times, as always, it's great to have you on Tech Talk. Thanks so much for your time. Thank you. Coming up next here on News Talk, Carl Henry on the fitness fads you should avoid on Instagram. Tech Talk Talk. with Jess Kelly. Thanks to Think. From digital signage to audiovisual solutions, we've thought of everything. Visit thinkpm.ie. This is News Talk. Techtalk at Newstalk.com is the email address as ever if you'd like to get in touch with me or you'll find me on Twitter at JessKellyNT. Uh, we kicked off our My Life in Tech segment a number of weeks ago. So far we've had comedian Jareth Regan and Lunchtime Live's Andrea Gilligan and I am delighted to have... I'm going to call him an Insta-hun just to try and annoy him but Carl Henry, personal trainer. <laughs> Carl, welcome to Tech Talk. Consider me annoyed. Yes. <laughs> How are you? I'm great. No, I'm delighted to have you on the show because we've spoken a lot over the last number of years about fitness and the role that technology plays in fitness. But something happened to me uh, last week and I was dying to talk to you about it in that a number of ads were popping up on my Facebook page telling me I could lose weight if I just stopped eating and telling me I could lose weight if I use certain apps. And it really got me thinking about the way technology manipulates how we feel about ourselves, which I know is something that you are very big on. So before we get mm-hmm. to our questions for the My Life in Tech segment, I suppose just just give me that reassuring advice you always give about trusting what you read online when it comes to health and weight loss and all the rest. Yeah, it, it's really interesting, right? Even on my own Twitter page, uh, they pop up all the time, like all the time. And the different infographics and they all look very snazzy and trendy and cool. And they just annoy me all the more. Um, te- technology reads us, right? So it knows exactly what we're doing. It listens to us. It, 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 it tracks all the stuff that we look at on Instagram, on Twitter and all the rest of it. And it does target us with all these fatty ways to make us click into things, sign up for things. The reality is, tech or no tech, it doesn't change the fact that, you know, if, if wellness is your goal or weight loss is your goal or whatever your goal is, the advice has to come from a qualified, reliable, experienced, insured source. If it doesn't, just don't go near it. If it looks really easy, and again, I, I, I report them on Twitter all the time when they come up for a spam and inappropriate, even on Instagram, because they're just not, it's just not okay. Mm-hmm. And plus the advice and the content within it is nonsense. 
it's like you know lose uh you know body belly fat by doing this this and this and like this like none of the stuff works but yeah. people obviously click on them so um that's my rant over the, the key thing is you know it's you look you look at pages or accounts of people that are experienced that have insurance that are real that aren't posting filtered photographs or making themselves look skinny or bigger or smaller or whatever because there's just there's so much of that going on trying to steer us in the direction of of that product um that it's it's not good and it's not healthy and it's not good for our health so mm -hmm. um that's my soapbox piece on uh, social media and technology and being targeted by all ad all the ads and stuff like that yeah it's incredibly frustrating i would love to hear from you if you have been impacted and if you see them if you report them do you engage with them techtalk at newstalk.com is the email address and um, so carl let's get into our list of questions first up would you consider yourself a techie person Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh God. Yeah. I love tech. It's one of my, it's one of my, it's one of my weaknesses. It and cars, right. Are my weaknesses in life. Um, before we go any further, I will confess I'm an Apple fiend. Yes, you are. I, everything I have is Apple. I love Apple. I'm all, it's like, I, and whenever they release something new, it's like, I have to have it. I might use it, but I have to have it. Um, but no, I do like tech. So it's really interesting, right. In terms of just a, I love tech because it, I, I'm fast. I don't really understand it, but I love it because it's just really interesting. So like, on a personal perspective, I I run obviously with a Garmin, which gives me my speed and my stats and syncs with Strava and you know helps keeps me motivated. My road bike, for example, is it has tech. It has a battery pack inside the frame of the road bike. It has electric gear shifting. Has an app that I like, can adjust all the gear ratios and that I've never done by the way, but I can if I could figure out why I would want to do that, you know, um, uh, and I do, I love, I just, I love technology. I find it really interesting. If anything, as I've gotten a little bit older, I buy technology a bit more sensibly. So I don't buy the really expensive Garmin, uh, that I don't use half the functions. I buy the slightly more basic one with the stuff that I need, but I, I just, I love it. I just, it excites me. And then from a work perspective, right? Like tech, we were ahead of the, the, the COVID curve, if you like, by about six months of doing online PT and online training and online corporate work. And it was trying to get people onto it. And um, uh, COVID has sped that up. All of a sudden, it's normal if you're doing a PT session online in your kitchen from anywhere around the world, because that's just what we've done for the last year and a half. So tech, from a business perspective, is now what I do. I have a Mac, a 27-inch Mac, I, with a Logitech camera uh, that I upgraded to. I, I work from that all day. My clients are on the screen, or my corporates are on the screen, or whatever. So tech plays a huge part of my life, from a personal, but also from a from a um, from a work perspective. Uh, you know. So yeah, no, I'm a total techie. Seriously, like yeah. Does it annoy you though? Does it annoy you though when your clients are techies and they come in thinking that their, you know, uh, wearable on their wrist will know more and give them a better insight yeah. than you, a personal trainer with years and years and years of experience? Um, sometimes, right? So you get the fitness trackers and the the sleep scores are like amazing, and like you know that's not how you sleep. Mm -hmm. It's just not, and you're you know what I mean, or the calorie counts will be off or they'll use specific food trackers that give them a really uh, low recommendations for the amount of calories they should be eating every day. That kind of stuff. It's frustrating. It is frustrating, but that's where I suppose, you know, the, the experience comes in and like all of those things can be helpful, but when you tie them in with experience and that's the big, that's the biggie, like the 10,000 steps thing, for example, with your tech, a, they generally aren't 10,000 steps. If your hand shakes a little bit, there's a couple of steps added. You know what I mean? Like they're, but also the, the, the concept of it as a marketing tool from the 60s, does it transform your health? No. Does it help you move more? Yes. And that's the beauty of it because you get, you get off the couch, you do a little bit more movement than, than you normally would. So there is real benefits to it. But I do think it has to be mixed in with experience. And, you know, when you pull towards social media, then and you look at the, the usage of, the, of tech that way. Mm -hmm. There's just so much posted that isn't experienced. Um, and that uh, is something that does frustrate me. But that, that's potentially me also showing my age. I'm nearly 40. Uh, you know, it's it's in, it's just it's just really interesting to watch it. And the more I use Instagram and try and learn, I'm, I'm trying to learn reels at the moment and get my head around them and mm -hmm. what they why they're so popular. And I'm, I've done a few of them. It's really interesting to see what to see that when I do a reel about a topic, I get five or six times more views or feet or comments or whatever on it than I would if I posted statically. And it just shows how tech 
then the visual tech really influences the stuff that we listen, that we look at and the stuff that we learn. And it's interesting to see that from a user's perspective too, you know? Yeah, it is really interesting, particularly if you do a deep dive into all the analytics, which can be quite boring. But if you're a nerd like myself and Carl, then it is interesting. <laughs> uh, Car- it's fascinating, right? It's so interesting <laughs> just to see the difference in terms of by post, by, by, you know, by putting a little bit of music on it and making it look kind of cool and funky that all of a sudden it, it quadruples the volume. Like I put one up the other day on, on the funniest one ever actually put up yesterday on my fridge and I just got all these storage containers and put all my stuff into the containers and put them into my fridge and it all looked nice and neat. So I said, sure, we'll put the, we'll stick that up. And like it went, it was one of the, one of the biggest posts that we've done. Uh, it's mad. It, the whole thing fascinates me. I'm, I'm totally fascinated by it. And I won't say I fully understand because I don't. And I'm learning. I'm learning it all the time. You know, people were very impressed by your organization in your fridge. Um, and <laughs> what was your uh, first ever phone that you owned? Oh, I remember it was it was a Motorola and it had a little aerial thingy that came up on the side and it was in purple. It was a per. It was in a purple. Uh, uh, see-through box when I bought it yeah and it was a huge big brick of a thing I remember it I think I was I think I was 17 maybe 18 I think I was 18 when I got it and yeah and like I don't think it did anything bar make a phone call I'm not even sure text messaging (laughs) was a thing when I got my first phone and the battery life was terrible uh and you got the ready to go the, the top up cardy thing for like 20 euro yeah uh, or 20 pounds 20 pounds at the time and uh yeah and and yeah and then i as ever so like when any new thing comes out i wanted to have it so like and then it went it was it was really interesting then my phone usage went to the next over the the, the next couple of years then went to like the, the next phone down which was always a smaller phone to like, like the little, the teeny weeny not, uh, Nokia phones yeah. like, that were like, like a, you know, half the size of an iPhone, and um, and then they all started to get bigger. And I even had one of those phones that you that you flipped like almost rectangular. Oh, like the Motorola Flip, was it? The Motorola Razor, I think it was. Was it? I had one. I had a Razor. Yeah, I did. And then I had a Nokia one that you'd turn, you'd use it sideways, with it, and it had like a keyboard thing on it. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, that, I'm that guy who buys all those things. And, yeah. And, and, and before before people realize that maybe the, the, the basic version was better. But yeah, so that was my first phone. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I remember saving up to buy it. I remember going into the shop to get it. So I went to a shop on Dawson Street for some reason. I can't remember the name of the shop. But uh, and here I am 20 years later glued to my phone 24-7. It's mad. What phone do you have now, Carl? Oh, iPhone. It's a 11 Max, the big one. Oh, yeah. I haven't gone for the 12 yet. I will at some stage, but I haven't done it yet. But yeah, it's great because it's it's it is big, right? And it, and it is. And like I bring my phone when I run because I've got my music on it. I have like aftershocky things for my headphones, and it comes everywhere with me, and it's bulletproof. It just it's really good. Um, and uh. Yeah, I've, I've had iPhones that my last, I don't know, maybe 10 phones or eight phones have been iPhones. I found, actually, I found my first iPhone there yesterday. It was written, written through the press. It's so small by comparison to the new one. It's mad. What one, what one did you have? Because I, I think my first iPhone, I had the iPhone 3 and then I had the 4S, which actually looks kind of like the 12, but it's the ultimate baby sister version. Like it's tiny. <laughs> Well, whatever one I found in the press had like a chrome edging around it and the back of it was black mm. and it was just really small it, and I had a kind of curvy bum on it. The, the, the back of it was kind of curvy. Yeah, that's the iPhone and, 1 or 2 or 2 or 3 actually I think it was. 2 or 3. I what, yeah. Just, it was just so small by comparison to the, you know, the screen looks tiny by comparison to what we have now but the I, I find the 11 is really good um, and I have no sponsorship at Apple. I just love the the product because I, I've tried to switch. And I, anytime I try, or if I if I have a friend who has a different iOS system, I might I might I just can't I can't comprehend other phones iOSs. I just I just don't know how they work. I can't I don't know I don't know what that says about my, my personality, but I just like how Apple works. It's very simple. It works. It does what it says on the tin. And um, the camera is really good, and for work, that that's become a more and more important, more and more important, uh, important feature too. You know, I just think you're an absolute cult member of Apple. I think there's nothing <laughs> that's going to change you from that little Apple symbol man who just loves it all. 
I do, oh god I do and then you watch and then whenever the press I watch your, your Twitter or your Instagram feed when the press conferences are on I'm like dreading what you're going to tell me they're launching because they're going to want it like that that little tag thing I haven't got that yet but I'm going to get one of them uh, for the keys yes and um, I'm waiting for the new Mac to come out with the with the, the desktop one yes with the improved camera on it uh, because and actually in all fairness I use it and, that, and particularly in the last year and a half I use it a lot um, but yeah, I just I don't know. I think I think yeah, and I'm a bit like that too. If I find something that I like, I stick with it. I'm very reluctant to budge from from things when I when I find something that I like. Yeah, that is a good way to be though. Um, we we've spoken about it a little bit so far, but how would you describe your relationship with social media? Uh, evolving all the time. Uh, I I made a conscious decision, and I went back to it. It, it traces back to when I when I trained in as a PT uh, twenty two years ago. And the guy taking the course, he was an Mar- Irish guy from America, Bill Cunningham, amazing guy. And at the end of the course, he said, look, you know, there's 25 of us in the room. He said, you know, if you ever get a chance to do something and uh, for, on a, a public level, don't don't waste your energy or your time giving out about other trainers or giving out about other whatever. Just, you know, just focus on your own thing and just get on with it. Because that's what, in the industry, your job is to kind of motivate people and be the happy person. Where, so don't spend it giving out all the time. So I've kind of applied that to social media. Um, I, 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 Twitter, I've totally gone off. I, I, I used to love Twitter, but, I, but then uh, COVID just destroyed it. It just became a cranky place for really cranky people. I just had enough of it. So mm. I, I just, I don't really, I look at it maybe once a week, but don't really interact on it. Instagram, I do like, because actually I find I can do a lot of work there. Um, we do Q and A's every Sunday. They're really popular. There's a couple of hundred questions come in. I try and get to as many of them as I can. They're nice and people learn from from them all the time. Um, and I just kind of focus on my own thing. I do get a cheese off every now and again if I, if I come across a page or someone doing something stupid. And the obvious thing to to do is to react to that. But actually, I, I, as I've gotten older, again, I don't really react. I just block them or mm. or, or or just unfollow them or whatever because um i just kind of focus on my own thing and uh, as i said i'm trying i'm learning I'm, I'm getting my head around the reels i I've, I've resisted for a long long time until a mutual friend of ours neve and noel kind of said i need to i need to improve my my reels game <laughs> and uh but it, it, it like that right it's interesting because when you do look at those analytics it, it does people it's what people want they want that visual content um, yeah and it's and also re- it's so quick and it's so changeable like the one that you're doing ones about like food and making food and you know how to spruce up your glass of water and what i love about them is that it's all split second stuff i'm not watching you know a 30 minute video about how nice mint tastes it's like seven seconds i get the point and then i can go and try it and it's actually it is visually appealing but it's also ideal for my my impatient millennial head. <laughs> I know it looks so quick, right? When you watch them, and actually in the background, they take at least. Depending on and the, I've got exercise ones lined up to do, but I just haven't. I just haven't got time to do it yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is in, and it does get your message across. And I find Instagram really does that. I find Instagram a much happier place. Every now and again, you get a couple of cranky people giving out to you because whatever and i just i do what i've always done with that i, I just ask them to go for coffee and they never do they always gonna because they, they, they're expecting the you to, to 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 respond in an equally aggressive manner and I'm like i just couldn't be arsed and i just say oh listen meet for coffee happy to discuss your point and uh, let's just chat it out and of course they never they never do they just kind of run away then um, <laughs> that's a good way to do it, it. I, I, well, it's it's kind of killing it with kindness right you kind mm-hmm. of because people are looking for a row and it's really interesting from from the health space Every now and again, you, you, you see, and people, and it's really weird, right? People DM, people would screenshot some of these angry people and send me the screenshots of the angry person giving out about something, whether it's me or whether it's something I'm involved in or whatever, or just giving out in general. And then they send it to me in my DMs. I'm like, well, I don't really care. But it, it's interesting that in the health space, like our job is to inspire people. It's in, to, to improve your day and your wellness. And every now and again, you get a couple of accounts who are just... They just spend all day going at it and, and ha- having a full frontal row with themselves on their stories about something else which doesn't do what they do. And I can never really comprehend that. I, I find it really I find it really sad, actually, for one for a better word, but I find it interesting. But um, that's a long answer to your question. So, yeah, my, it, my use of, of, of social media is evolving and I'm, I'm be- more and more I like Instagram. It mm. actually 
it makes me feel good when people message in to say that, oh, I did a half marathon because of taking a few of your tips on board or I've lost weight or I just really like your page. And it's nice. It's like, you know, it's kind of makes you feel good and it makes you feel like you're having an impact and you are, you know, my, my goal in life is to help people out. And that it, it does make you feel that where Twitter didn't, doesn't and certainly didn't for a long, long time where um, Instagram certainly does do that. Yeah, I think you have actually built up a really nice community on Instagram, whereas I think Twitter is a bit of a free for all. Yours through your Q and A, through your videos, through the you know, you're you're asking people to put in like accountability pledges, not for anybody else other than themselves to try and motivate themselves. It does feel like you have built up a community of people who only follow you because they like you or they want that kick up the tush. There's no nastiness, and I think that. Like I, I would like to think of the same of my own space on Instagram as well. It just feels more community based rather than a hellish free for all. Yeah, I, I'd agree with that. I think that's a that, that's a fair that's a that's a fair take on it. Like there, there is that sense of of community and people. You know, boom. It's just something I say. It's just one of those kind of cheesy trainer trainer terms that it just stuck with me. So every now and again, people would say, "Oh, you know, I did I did this or I did that or I, did, and I was like get a boom." And people, how how do I get a boom? I'm like, well, you have to go and do something. Yeah. You know, healthy, and they do. And so there is that sense. And every weekend, you know, the weekend Sundays when the Q and A happens, and there is that sense of. Um, there is that sense of a group of people trying to be healthier, but then you look and but in and then you look at your insights and you're like, oh, I lost fifty followers this week. Did I offend somebody? But you know, it's it's really int- it just how Instagram works is really interesting. But um, yeah, I there is a community community vibe there, and I ask them what guests we should have on the podcast, what things we, should, uh, we like. I ask them questions all the time, to just a get their opinion, but b. Mm just keep people engaged and keep people interested. And like one of my big changes recently is more grid work. I kind of neglected the grid. I just didn't think it was important. And actually I've come to realize I was totally wrong. So there's a lot more content going up in the grid now in terms of content, in terms of recipes, in terms of photographs of my lunch. And people are really reacting to it. And the fridge one yesterday was mental. I just didn't think that was a thing. But oh. it's like it's like fridge it's fridge porn. People are like, Oh my god, your fridge is so organized. What fridge have you got? Where did you get the containers? It was mental and uh it's funny. It's it's it just it opens your eyes up to up to um I think what people are interested in, which is which drives everything. We'll probably do a podcast on how to organize your fridge now because people are really interested in it. Oh do it. There's a brilliant um woman called Sarah Reynolds. She has a book called Organized Chaos and a Twitter or an Instagram handle of the same name. And I would highly recommend following her. She does like deep clear outs of presses, fridges everything that you can imagine so if you are a bit of a neat freak like me um it is just sensational viewing and um, carl my final question for you is uh, we often hear that technology has damaged society and that it's been a bad thing for society what's your overarching thoughts and feelings on that one? Oh, okay yeah you bring the tough questions now after yeah. warming, warming me up um Oh, that's a really deep question there now. Right, what do I think on that? Do it has it improved or or disimproved society? Uh, it's a re it, it's fascinating. It, um, without trying to be the politician, I think it's done a little bit of both. Right, there there is really beneficial elements to social media and what it can do. And I, for me anyway, Instagram is is kind of where that happens. Then you look at the flip side of so from a health perspective and actually instagram is, is one of the key offenders here in terms of the filter photographs the angle photographs in terms of the younger generation coming up and eating disorders uh, or orthorexia being overly healthy all of that that there is definitely um a correlation between the two with it there there is with, with, without a doubt but so uh, there's lots of benefits to it. It's highly addictive, as I and my screen time tells me every Monday when I get it from Apple. And it, uh, I've I've tried to reduce that by putting the 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 app um, time limit thing on my mm. phone, and that helps. It makes me a bit more aware of how how long I spend on it. So, um, is it uh, has it this? It's done a little bit of both. I think there are massive benefits to it. Do I worry about the younger society coming up without trying to sound old? I do. I think that I think that it's a scary space, and I think it's up to the older generations to to bring that 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 younger generation through and, and try and balance them out a little bit uh, in the re- with regards to the real world as well as, as as social media. So 
there are lots of benefits to it um there, but there are also lots of negatives and like a prime example of that will be the, the penalty shootout for, for in the european championships mm-hmm. with england like you just saw what happened like the 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 race the the racist stuff that, that went on around that um and it all with covid it also gives everyone a soapbox and a soapbox is fine if you're willing to put your name on it and say okay i'm carl henry here's my opinion or i'm jess kelly here's my opinion when you're not willing to do that and you're willing to hide behind a false pseudonyme and sit there on your couch and have this opinion about somebody i think that i think the litigious side of it's going to come more and more over the next couple of years i think you're going to see a lot more of that happening where where we saw a little bit of it with Erlene foster and and, and uh, the doctor over in the uk and i think we're going to see a lot more of that so i think the usage of uh how people use it is going to have to be be, be more mindful which will be a good thing um but that's a kind of a ranty answer to your question. I think it is. There's lots of benefits, but there are lots of negatives to it too. Yeah. And I think that's about. It's about educating people, educating the user, especially that younger population, and just trying to to to, to balance them out a little bit and and make them realize that you know online isn't always real and that that that's important too. So um, I kind of sit on the fence on that one. Yeah, I do. Is there, I, on a personal perspective, I find it very addictive, and I've, I have an addictive personality anyway. So one of my own things is trying to reduce my screen time as much as I can. But that's with work. That's not always not always easy. No, and it's it's the balance between the two. Uh, Carl Henry, uh, personal trainer, host of the Real Health podcast, and on Instagram at Carl Henry PT. Thank you so much for joining us here on News Talk. Not at all. Thanks, Emil. Tech Talk. With Jess Kelly. Thanks to Think. From digital signage to audiovisual solutions, we've thought of everything. Visit thinkpm.ie. This is News Talk. Welcome back to the final part of this week's Tech Talk. Jess Kelly with you on News Talk. Tech Talk at Newstalk.com is the email address if you want to get in touch. Um, I am starting our back to school, back to college guide next week. Uh, there are plenty of deals to be had. But what suits your needs? This is the key question. Uh, we are going to be doing an episode of Tech Bytes, our new YouTube series dedicated to this topic. But if you do have any specific requirements, if you're looking for a recommendation, email techtalk at newstalk.com and we will factor those in as much as possible when we're putting our review guide together. Now, an organisation we have featured quite a lot over the years here on the show and right across Newstalk is Kamara Education Ireland. This is a brilliant organisation that does incredible work uh, on a few different levels. But Kamara is now part of this new coming together of three brilliant organisations looking to address the issue of digital skill gap amongst our young people. Marianne Checkley is the CEO of the new organisation. Uh, Marianne, before we get into the detail, uh, just tell us a little bit about it. Thanks for welcoming me back, Jess. Always a pleasure. So we in, in Camara Ireland, we had tech space as well. So as you know, you're uh, part of our uh, Creative Tech Fest there one year. So you saw the outcome and impact of some of the amazing work we do around the country in terms of providing young people the opportunities to be creative with technology and to work in schools and youth centres to really facilitate educators, teachers and youth workers to build those creative learning environments. So last year we started a conversation with SUIS, the Irish programmes of SUIS, And during lockdown, their model, their one-to-one literacy model, where they had volunteers going into schools and being a reading buddy to children in disadvantaged schools, they weren't able to keep that going because classrooms were closed. So we started a conversation with them, just seeing how we could bring our experience in using technology to scaling their model and developing a remote volunteering approach to that. So that conversation moved very quickly to to look at really what we're all looking at here is to try and be creative with learning, uh, to use technology to build creative learning environments and to get everybody involved in really making sure that every child and every young person had the best educational experience possible. So the conversation moved very quickly to kind of you know, really, we'd be better working together here and joining forces and increasing our impact. 
So uh, we merged with Suez Ireland in February and those, those discussions and those conversations internally also led to a rebrand to see really, you know, take a step, especially in the light of the last 18 months, just the speed and the acceleration that's happening that's happened in technology, in education, and to focus on the gaps that were emerging and work together on a collective that could really have a greater impact uh, in terms of the work that we do, the programs that we roll out, uh, and to be able to do that in schools and in youth services. So that's what we're talking about here. We, we came together and we uh, developed a, a new brand of Kinia. And the root of that is kin. So very much around working together, collectively creating opportunity and education and learning as a whole of society issues. So, so everyone should have the opportunity to get involved. And our focus is on the 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 new gap that's really become very stark over over the last 18 months in particular where we see like we always knew about traditional educational disadvantage and achievement gaps and you know certain careers being overrepresented by uh, higher socioeconomic groups but really what we're looking at here is despite all the amazing work that's gone on to close that gap that we're now at risk of really seeing a new big digital divide and digital poverty emerging. And it's not just about access to, to laptops or hardware or devices, it's about digital skills. Mm. Schools being resourced to inspire young people to be creative with digital, youth services being resourced to be able to connect young people to reference points and aspirations because there's so many communities out there and, and young people and children who would have no idea or connection with the range of new careers in, in tech, in digital that are becoming available. Yeah, it's really interesting because when you talk about um, access to technology, when we talk about digital skills, some people may find it hard to fathom that young people in Ireland don't have access to technology or don't have the, the skills and the know-how to navigate through efficiently, but also utilise that interest and that curiosity to develop a, a career. So when we talk about the, the pockets of society that, you know, could really benefit from the, the services of Kenya, can you give us some examples and the ways in which this new sort of coming together of the three brilliant organisations is going to try and bridge that gap and advance the, the education when it comes to technology know-how, I suppose, of the young people. Yeah, like you're absolutely right there. It's it's a myth to assume that in a world of, of smartphones and gaming that all teenagers have access to to you know, current devices in the first place, but also are being created with them. Like uh, often there's, uh, it's just consuming that's that's going on, you know, so consuming around social media, around sharing uh, and very little connection with what actually goes on in tech or digital beyond that. So uh, there is the, the old story of a socioeconomic divide. So, uh, young people in communities maybe where they have nobody in their in their family or the community who they can look to and say okay they've gone to a career in coding or computer science or into a tech company and this is how they went about it so you know this is something that i'm interested in so this is the path that i need to take so it's very much around you know just connecting yourself maybe to an aspiration or a a reference point that's close to you is a huge motivator and a, a lot of young people People don't have that. Uh, it, it could also be a rural urban divide. So uh, as, as Ireland is developing, we can see we, we've, we've hubs, you know, Dublin is great, a very vibrant tech hub, uh, attracting foreign direct investment and uh, a real organic uh, tech entrepreneurial community. Uh, but in, in rural communities, 
this has this doesn't necessarily translate. So again, in terms of, of reference points or, or touchstones, and and if we're looking to to learn from what's gone on over the last uh, eighteen months, uh, we should certainly be able to apply all of the learning to uh, a regeneration of our rural communities. And for that entrepreneurial spirit to take root there uh, and for innovation and industry to take root in communities, uh, they need to be able to encourage their, their young people to, to, to stay and to see that those opportunities opportunities are available there. Mm -hmm. So we also work through the Irish language. Um, we have uh, we've rebranded entirely as a bilingual organization. And that's uh, that's the influence of the CLAR text based program that you're familiar with as mm -hmm. well, that we work on in partnership with the Department of the Gaeltacht. Uh, so we're all about looking at any gap um, it uh, could be a socioeconomic gap, could be a rural-urban divide, the gender gap as well. Like we know that girls and young women are very under, underrepresented in STEM, so we're working on that as well. Uh, so everything that we can do to really connect young people to skills, uh, to inspire them, to spark interest, uh, for them to be able to really to look over the wall that's been put up a little bit here and to be able to see a clear pathway to the future. It, it, I, I am a Grail Gore myself, so I love to hear that, um, you know, you're focusing on the Irish language. The opportunity is there because when I, I went through um, an Irish secondary school, I did Irish in college and I found that when I left college, I didn't have many opportunities to use the language. And I think seeing programmes like this, um, encouraging young people to engage with the Irish language via technology is just brilliant. You know, last year on uh, the Pakenny show, I spoke to a number of people taking part in um, the text-based tech fest program. I did interviews in Irish with the young people and it was just brilliant to hear their enthusiasm. I also spoke to some teachers, um, one in particular who stands out in my mind, and she was just saying that technology is essentially a language. Irish is a language. It's all just vehicles to express yourself and all the rest. And I just think it's a, a brilliant initiative. That's why I am such a, a big supporter of it. When it comes to, um, I suppose, the, the, the projects that you are known for, you know, previous to this coming together, will they still all remain in place? And will there still be the same level of opportunity for the young people to take part in competitions or events and so on and showcase all that they're learning through this new initiative? Absolutely. Uh, the, our existing programmes continue as is. Uh, the quality, you know, everything that, that people have come to, to know and love about all our, all our, our previous work stays as is. Uh, what, what we've our, our ambition is to be expansive here you know like we we see education as just and learning here as a in in terms of digital and technology as a big set of keys that unlocks opportunity uh so whereas before we were siloing a little bit internally even in terms of okay we were only delivering some programs uh and some of our work in youth services um other pieces we were only doing in schools um, and with the literacy uh, volunteering model, this is a, an added service that we can provide as well. Uh, so right now, what we're saying is we have this range of services and products, and we will deliver them with a really high quality in any learning environment. So this is about us looking to see how expansive and how impactful can we be right across the board without limiting ourselves to saying this project works in a youth service mm -hmm. or this project only works in a, a Gale school maybe or uh, in, a, in a city school. So it's just about saying, this is what we do. Uh, what do you need? Tell us what you need. We'll listen to you um, and we will deliver whatever that is. Another thing that uh, struck me listening to you speak there a few moments ago about, you know, some of the areas that we need to address. You mentioned things like, you know, the rural, uh, rural urban divide. When I look back at the last 18 months or so because of the pandemic, yes, it has been incredibly tough on so many levels. 
But I also see the opportunity that can come from it. I know that a number of companies are looking to allow their staff to, you know, be based remotely. Other companies are looking at, uh, you know, potentially starting up or putting a research and development plant, you know, in a rural part of the country that maybe they wouldn't have looked at before. All of these things are huge opportunities for our young people who are in primary and secondary school at the moment. If they have the skills, if they're living in certain parts of the country that maybe wouldn't be known as tech hubs, by engaging with technology in a way like this, they could have the skills to take some of those jobs, keep living at home in the areas that they know and love for for many years to come. Absolutely. Like there's a, there's a number of things going on here at the moment, isn't there? And I think it's 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 about working to close the circle. It there's uh, tech hubs opening up, um, broadband connection points. So the national broadband plan is starting to roll out. Uh, GTECs are are going on around communities as well. So there's an infrastructure uh, and I think an accelerated motivation to really make that infrastructure happen in communities. So in terms of closing that circle, the way we see we can contribute to it is making sure that those hubs in uh, three, five, 10, 20 years are vibrant because the young people in those communities their learning environments have been resourced so that they're equipped with the skills, the motivation and the inspiration to really start making those hubs live and breathe and create more opportunity. In terms of uh, if people want to find out more or can people volunteer to to take part and uh, support the work that you're doing or how does that side of things work? Yeah, so there's a number of ways that people can get involved. So like I said, we're we're all about partnership um, and this idea of learning and education and development for young people being uh, something that everybody should be invested in in some level. So we have partners with uh, statutory bodies, um, also funders, so corporate and industry funders. We're all always uh, delighted to talk to people who'd like to support our work in that way, uh, but also volunteers. So uh, the literacy and numeracy model that we've developed with the previous SUAS programs allows people to volunteer and to connect with uh, children in disadvantaged schools remotely. So we've piloted this over the last academic year and we have a report coming out of it and it's working really successfully. So we're essentially looking for an army of volunteers to scale that uh, because our, our uh, what we see happening there is that there's a real need for compensatory measures. So there's there's a lot of children who've missed out uh, on classroom activity, on connection with teachers and their learning. Uh, and a lot of those children are, are maybe at where at risk of at falling behind even, even before the pandemic. So we want to throw everything at this and uh, connect them with booster programs. And we're looking for volunteers to come on board with us to do that. Brilliant stuff. Well, look, it is. Um, I'm very excited about this merger of the three organisations. The work that you do is fantastic. We've heard quite a bit over the last number of years here on News Talk about the benefits of that work. We've heard from young people, from the volunteers, from teachers right across the board. If you missed any of that, you can actually listen back to the podcast on the News Talk app powered by Go Loud. Uh, Marianne, it's always a pleasure to talk to you and I'm very excited to see what you do next. Uh, but for now, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks a million, Jess. Always a pleasure. And that is all we have time for this week. If you missed any of the show, you can listen back in full on the News Talk app powered by Go Loud. Don't forget to hit subscribe. That way, every episode of Tech Talk will just arrive as if by magic onto your device. John Fardy's up next here on News Talk. I'll chat to you next week.